Hello. Welcome to the Daily Cron for Friday, April 19th, 2019. I'm Stephen Tolton. So, let's talk about that Star Trek Discovery Season 2 finale, shall we? So, if you've uh, listened to previous episodes, you know I'm not a huge fan of Star Trek Discovery. In fact, I would go so far as to say that at this point, I pretty much hate watch the show. <laughs> you know, I've given it every opportunity to impress me. I really have. I've watched every episode. I've watched them in essentially real time. I have paid for the really terrible CBS All Access service. Uh, and that's more than I can say for some people I know who actually enjoy this program, who don't pay for CBS All Access. But I do. I paid. I've seen all the episodes. I've given it a chance. Uh, and this last episode was just the worst, I think, of both seasons so far. Um, it was just, to me, horrible. Like, just terrible and had most of what I hate about this show wrapped up in the one episode. And so I just want to talk a little bit about it because, not because I want to rehash how much I, I dislike the show, although there's me a little bit of that. It's because the end, the very end, the way they wrap up this season gives me a glimmer of hope that maybe the showrunners, the writers, whoever's in charge is actually listening a little bit to the fan backlash and making some fundamental changes to the show for season three. Maybe. No guarantees. They don't give you any hint of what's to come in season three, but the implication is there that we might have might have a very different kind of show next season if we're lucky. So, <clears throat> what about this finale? Well, what is it about Star Trek Discovery that I, I dislike so much to begin with? Um, Star Trek Discovery has never felt like a Star Trek show to me. It's a show that was far too focused on spectacle, on action sequences, and on on cool visuals at the expense of caring about the established continuity, not just of like the general universe and world building, but of characters. <clears throat> and it gloms on it's it's always glommed on to nostalgia for the original series especially to a really kind of gross degree, like a pandering degree. Uh, and this last season was especially evident. Where like where last where season one ended with the Enterprise showing up, which we all knew was going to happen. We knew that was going to happen someday. It just shows up at the end. Didn't have to. They just did because they wanted to make sure you knew that. Don't worry. You thought we were pandering before. You haven't seen nothing yet. And so season two, we get Captain Pike, who is actually a highlight of the season. No, you know, great performance there. But <clears throat> we get Captain Pike. Get a little bit of the Enterprise. We get his number one, and we get Spock as the you know, and with Michael Burnham being Spock's you know secret sister, who whom he never mentions ever. <clears throat> Although they do try to explain that at the end of this episode, and made my eyes roll. But anyway, the that's the thing I, I like. The main thing I, I hate about the show so much is that, and this this episode is like the worst <laughs> for a lot of that, <clears throat> because this episode is heavily heavily focused. On, on action, spectacle, and then the other thing that I dislike about the show, besides continuity errors and everything, is the character of Michael Burnham. Because this episode literally revolves around her, and the entire season literally revolves around her. The fate of all sentient life in the galaxy and the storyline revolves around her, and it's kind of obnoxious. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's annoying, because I don't like this character. I think a lot of people don't like this character. Um, this is a character that, remember, started off the very first you know episode of the series committing mutiny starting a war with the klingons leading to i don't know how many thousands of people in hundreds of ships you know thousands of people dying hundreds of ships destroyed 
the the brink of destruction for the Federation, and now she's back as a commander, and everybody's like forgiven her for that. Like, are you kidding me? Makes makes no sense to me that that uh, the show made a character like that. Uh, also, I don't I don't the way she's written and performed, um, just the character just comes off as constantly annoying to me. Uh, I I don't know what it is like. For someone who supposedly has years of Vulcan training, she doesn't act very logical. Same to be said for Spock, by the way, which is even more obnoxious. But uh, she comes off as just a super annoying character who, for some reason, the story shoehorns in as a central and most important person all the time. And that's what's really annoying about it. Because there are several characters in the periphery who are way more interesting and better performed. Saru is a constant highlight, and at least he got a uh, at least an, an episode or two that were kind of devoted to his thing. But again, even on the episode where Saru goes home in the season, you had to have Michael Burnham come along because you know, God forbid, we have one freaking episode without Michael Burnham being at the center of everything. Uh, and then you got um, you got uh, Captain Pike, which was interesting, except that it's Captain Pike, so we all know what happens to Captain Pike. So okay, uh, it was a good performance; it was fun, but you knew it wasn't going to last. His number one barely gets any screen time, but it was cool to see uh, see her portrayed there. Um, and Spock, oh Spock! I mean, what what they what were they thinking with the emo bearded Spock? I don't know. I mean, t- performance was fine for Spock actually, but it was not Spock I was seeing. It was like some weird fan fiction of Spock. I don't know. That's like I guess that's how you could sum up my feelings about this entire show. It's like one long, very expensive fan fiction. Not an actual Star Trek show. Anyway, so that's the thing. So this last <clears throat> this last episode really focused on a lot of stuff I dislike about it. It was very, very action-heavy. It was full... It was probably the biggest action sequence that I've seen put to film, as it were, uh, in a Star Trek series since DS9 in the Dominion War, and I think it was a lot more impressive than that because effects are better now. We had hundreds of ships and firing phasers back and, back and forth. It was like a scene from Star Wars, not Star Trek which is uh, fundamentally what's wrong with their thinking about the series. But okay, whatever, we've, we've talked about that to death, I think. But the, <clears throat> the, the action-packed sequences here, good effects, actually hard to follow, though. I'm trying to follow any individual character through this. The morass of like CGI ships that all look the same and the dark color palette, it was, it was not easy. I was actually very bored by those scenes. Uh, I'm not a fan of the giant spectacle action sequences that have no point. You know, like part of the thing is, you know, there's no tension in the entire episode because you know that n- that nothing fundamentally bad can happen. You know that Spock is never in any danger. You know he's not because they are in the timeline. They're they're in the the time before <clears throat> uh, he be- you know before the original series. See, the problem the whole the whole season has to do with a threat to the sentient life in the galaxy. Except that you know. That, that, that they will win. You know from day one because they're a prequel series, so they have to win. You know the end game all the way back in the very first scene of the first episode of the season. So there's never any tension at all in the show. You know Michael Burnham has, has like, is invincible in the show uh, because they made her the central character. You know that Spock is never in any danger about anything. You know that all of that will work out. You know Captain Pike's future, so you know that he's not in any danger here. 
You know, like the only characters that are in any potential danger are some of the side characters, but then they don't even, they're not really even in any danger. I mean, they go out of their way to bring one of them back from the dead. So the show lacks any stakes. And when you lack stakes, you better have something interesting to hold my attention. And it's certainly not most of the characters, and it's not the plot. So, like, what do you, what do you have? Like, it's just a very flimsy show, and that's why it feels like fan fiction. Because that's often what you see in fan fiction. It'll be a like an attempt at spectacle, and it'll be you know usually kind of less than stellar plots and writing, and it's and just like an attempt to have your favorite nostalgic characters be doing something different again. And that's what the show has always been about. That's what the season especially has been about, by bringing Spock in and Pike and the Enterprise a little bit and, like, all that stuff. It's just glomming on to nostalgia for, I don't know, nostalgia's sake, for ratings. I, I don't know. But it's gross to me. Like, they, 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 they've sucked that well dry at this point. So, anyway, besides <clears throat> all the action stuff, you have the, the culmination of the Section 31 AI plotline, which is always very confusing. So. So if, if you w- didn't watch the season, I can't explain the plot line to you because it's too convoluted. But essentially, there's a computer AI. Uh, Section 31 is like a part of Starfleet that's like secret and gray area stuff. There's an AI that wants to gain sentience, and so it needs this data that the Discovery got um, earlier in the season from some giant asteroid-sized alien that died. It was very confusing. Anyway, they got this all this data, and the data can't be deleted, and and so the AI needs the AI wants it to become sentient, even though the AI is acting like a sentient being. There's like literally this thing would pass the Turing test, so I don't know what they mean by saying that it needs this data in order to take over and destroy all sentient life. It it has the ability to copy people to take control of them, and like you know, and like completely duplicate their behavior to the point where you can't tell them apart. It can take over ships. It could block communication. It's a sen- it's nearly invulnerable to like even like repeated phaser fire. It'll like regenerate like the T one thousand almost from like any injury you give it. It's stronger than uh, humans are. It's faster. It's like it is a freaking Terminator, <clears throat> and plus it's an AI, so it doesn't actually need to be in one particular body. So it already won. <laughs> like it, by all by all logic, it already won, and it's already sentient. Uh, I don't know what they're talking about. It's like one of those things where they just needed a reason for the bad guy to have all the ships come and ha- fight the good guys and their ships. Because it doesn't make any sense by the rules of their own universe. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, like, I couldn't tell the difference between uh, Control and, like, Commander Data. They both seemed like they were the same people. Like, they both seemed at the same level of sentience. Uh, so, I don't know. Very, very confusing, that whole plotline. <clears throat> but anyway, they decide that what they need to do is they need to take this data and fling it into the far future. Because they put it in the future, then Control can't get in the present, and therefore can't become the thing that destroys all life in the galaxy in the future. Like, okay, that's stupid. But okay, like, you could have also just flung the data into the past, I guess, but then they'd be afraid they'd eventually find it anyway. I don't know. <clears throat> you could have, like... um uh, I, I'm pretty sure they could have found a way to destroy the ship if they really tried. Uh, you know, like at one point they tried to destroy the ship, 
Discovery from the Enterprise, they shoot it, and its shields go up, and it's like, oh, it's protecting itself. And it's like, okay, keep firing on it. Like, it doesn't have unlimited resources. Just keep shooting it until it blows up. Like, don't you know it's, like, uh, uh, it's shield frequencies and stuff? Like, couldn't you just punch a hole through it? Like, they, like, the, the like in um, Star Trek, was it Generations, where the, the bird of prey, like, shoots through the shields and, like, destroys the Enterprise-D? It's like, couldn't they just done, done that? Like, even if it, if it adapted, it wouldn't have known that you were going to do that f- at first. It's not, like, a sentient AI, although it is some kind of AI. So it's like, could have just done that, shot it in, like, the reactor core and blown up the ship anyway. Like, we could have had somebody, like, climb into the computer core and just hit it with a hammer. Like, there's so many things you could have done to try to destroy this thing, and they just kind of gave up when the self, the automated self-destruct system failed. And the shields went up. You're like, okay, what? <laughs> you know? Like, what? Uh, anyway, so... <clears throat> So they um they can't destroy it. So they're like, we're gonna fling it into the future. I was like, okay, fine. And then in the middle of the episode, they they tie they tie everything back to Michael Burnham by having a, literally a clip episode in the middle of this episode where there's a big battle going on in the background and they can't go forward to fling into the future because they gotta wait. They gotta remind the audience of everything that happened this season so you can try to follow the convoluted logic. And then it goes for a, a, a long. Series where Michael Burnham goes back in time to to five of the signals of the seven that have shown up so far. So five of them shown up in the show so far. There's seven that are supposed to show up. It's like the middle of the finale episode. So she goes back in time to each of the five, and you see that she's actually the Red Angel that you see in each one of those scenes. But now you see it from her perspective, and then she gets back to the present, and now they're ready to go. And like, well, what about the other two signals? <clears throat> and she's like, uh, <laughs> I'll send it. You know, like the 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 signal. Uh, she's going to do, like, the sixth signal in order to follow it, and then she's going to do the seventh signal from the future somehow to let everybody know that she's okay. But I'm not even sure if the seventh sing- signal... Oh, yeah, the seventh signal actually goes off at the end. So uh, that's their plan. <clears throat> so it's all Michael Burnham, and that's really kind of stupid. The whole thing literally revolves around her uh, and her mom, technically, but her mom was only in it for, like, a, like an entire like episode. Uh, so it turns out, for some reason, her 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 mom built, built this uh, time suit, and then <clears throat> when the Klingons attacked their base, she used it, and she was just going to go back in time briefly to get them out and all, but she ended up, something went wrong, she ended up getting flung far in the future, and every time she comes back, she gets taken back to the future for some other reason they don't explain clearly, <clears throat> so she can't stay in this present, and then uh, eventually her suit's destroyed, and she's sent back to the future, so she can't come back. But, luckily, they are able to rebuild the suit, but for some reason... This piece of technology only works with someone who has the like mitochondrial DNA of Michael Burnham and her mom, like that because her mom built it and like coded it for herself, and yet it'll still work for her daughter, and like that doesn't make any sense either. Like, <laughs> why is it? Why are you? Why can't you? Like, how do you not know how this thing works? You're able to build it. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. Like they're able to build it and everything, and like inst- and and I essentially write the software because like where they get the software from. Oh, thinking too hard about the science aspects of the science fiction series Star Trek is tough because um, this show doesn't care about any of that logic. But essentially, they were able to rebuild the suit so only Michael Burnham can wear it, so that's why she has to take him into the future, and then everybody's like, oh yeah, we're going to give up our whole, our whole lives here in the 23rd century and our family and friends and stuff, and we're just going to follow you into a potentially bleak future of, lifeless, of a lifeless galaxy. We're not sure yet what's going to be there. They're only hoping that they change the future and it doesn't end up like a lifeless husk of a galaxy again, like it has been like when you glimpse the future throughout the whole season. So, you know, they all just 
give up for because Michael Burnham's such a great person, the, you know, the same person that mutinied and started a war and that led to the deaths of thousands of people, including their friends and family, and uh, probably should still be rotting in prison. But hey, you know, it's okay. All's forgiven. Somehow. <sighs> Hate that character. Anyway, so they, they, the, end of this, the end of the episode is <clears throat> the giant battle's going on. Uh, Philippa, who, who is like the, the, possibly the best character in the whole series, is <laughs> she, uh, you know, she's like the, the evil um, empress or whatever from the mirror universe. So uh, she, <laughs> she was out of her way to like, to fight Control, who's in the, who's like in the form of Leland, who was like her, the, uh, the old head of Section 31. And she goes out of her way not only to fight him, and by the way, you know, he's like a Terminator. She goes out of her way to fight him, holds her own, tricks him, and then somehow does through some off-screen magic techno babble, uh, kills him. Just so that she could hear him scream. Now, that that was awesome. I will totally, I'll totally give him that, because that's a mirror universe character, so it's actually in character for them to want to hear their enemies scream in pain. And it was just kind of an awesome little interlude between all the absurd action going on outside to have her have a really actually well done kind of a fight sequence where she and another um, character were fighting Leland and the, the deck was spinning around cause gravity was messing up. So it was like um, that scene in inception, I guess, where they're, they're, they're spinning around on the ceiling and the walls and you know, like the, like the gravity keeps changing. So that was cool. Uh, it's a little rushed at the end that she kills him, but I guess we're to assume that he's gone. The threat of control is gone. Um, hope so, because they took the nano machines that make up control with them into the future, so they better hope they completely destroyed it. Anyway, <clears throat> so that was actually really a very cool scene. Uh, sorry to say, I, like, I hate watching the show. I guess I'm able to hate watch it because uh, while I hate the plot, I hate like Michael Burnham's character. There are these nuggets of coolness in the show, the effects are cool and the, uh, certain characters are cool. So that's why, uh, at the end of this episode, I'm given a little bit of hope because they do fling it into the future, which means now they, they don't have to worry about continuity errors anymore. Uh, they can be, they can do whatever they want. And with that freedom, maybe they can come up with an interesting storyline and not be, uh, and they, they literally won't be able to necessarily glom onto nostalgia anymore. I mean, that's far enough in the future. that it would even be unrealistic for them to find like wreckage of something even. Like, oh, it's the wreckage of the Enterprise E or something like that. Like, they could try that, but 900 plus years in the future, I don't think that ship is going to be going to be there. You know, like that seems like pushing the limits of credulity, although they did this whole episode, this whole season about a time loop with Michael Burham. So who knows? Uh, I hope they don't do that, though. It is a little weird, though, because I don't know how they're going to get uh, Philippa back to the I thought her Section 31 spinoff show they're going to do is going to take place in the present, like the present of the show. So I don't know. Uh, I hope they don't revert it. If if they're gonna go and do this, and they change change up the status quo like they're doing, and have the, sh- the the next season take place in the far future, just keep them there. Like make it like like what Voyager was supposed to be in some ways. Like make it a show about them literally being lost out there, or make it a show where they have to reintegrate in a brand new Federation or whatever is there, and they're the ones who are like the primitives. Like I don't know. There's so many things you could do, and I, I don't really have a lot of trust in them right now that they're gonna know what they're doing. Uh, but this is the chance that we all wanted. This is what we all wanted as fans. Those of us that don't, don't like the show, we wanted them to just have the show take place in the future and then do what you want to do. And then we'll judge you, uh, based on that. But because they kept it as a prequel and they glommed on to nostalgia stuff, it, it obscures any kind of original idea they have in this show. Um, you know, so I'm hoping that season three, they'll finally be free to do this. 
uh, and we can no longer complain. We'll probably won't be able to complain anymore about the um, about the continuity errors because it won't because they're in the far future, so it won't really matter that much anymore. Um, so we will uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know when that's going to come out though. Could be a long time because they want to. I'm more excited about the new Picard series, which just started filming. Uh, I don't know when this season will come up or when the Picard will be out. I don't know any of that stuff, but uh, I know they want to have like a new Star Trek show at least every year. So it could be a while before season three of Discovery comes out again. But I am left after this kind of abysmal season two uh, with slight glimmer of hope that season three will finally, finally be like something, anything original and not like mired in nostalgia and and will be in a situation where it, it doesn't matter that they don't care about continuity because they won't be able to break continuity if there isn't any. <laughs> um, so we'll see. Uh, I am I'm gonna end up paying for the abysmal service, uh, you know, all access service next year to watch it again. Uh, but I'm hoping season three I won't have to hate watch it. That's all I want. I just want to be able to watch it, even if I don't think it's the best show. I want to be able to enjoy an episode of that without like desperately rolling my eyes oh rolling my eyes thing before i go the um the way they glom over the whole continuity error about how uh discovery exists and had the spore drive and spock's sister and all that stuff is that at the end spock tells starfleet that he thinks they should have uh on on penalty of treason make everybody just swear to secrecy about it you know, it's the most ridiculous thing ever. Like, they'd have to purge databases. They'd have to find how many hundreds and hundreds of people know about Discovery and their friends and their family. Uh, I'm sure it's been on, like, the news. It was a major part of a war. Like, I think everybody, like, multiple species have seen the spore drive. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that that would, that would work. But that's the explanation given in the show for why Discovery and all the weird, um, continuity breaking stuff in there is not mentioned in the future it's also uh because they put um what's his name the klingon human dude in charge of section 31 that's also why section 31 is very different in the future than it is in the show that's how they paper over it it's it's a really sloppily done scene it's rushed at the end there just to like tie things up and uh i feel like that's why i really feel like they they put this ending together in order to try to placate fans. Like, I don't know what the ratings dipped or whatever, but the backlash has been pretty hardcore, I think, about this show. And, uh, you know, it has its fans, but I feel like there's a lot more people who hate watch a show like me than, than uh, like, watch it with real enjoyment. But I don't know. Could be wrong about that. Uh, but anyway, so it looks like they are trying to legitimately change the status quo, and so I'm looking forward to that. If that's the case... I will give them another chance, and I'll look at season three with fresh eyes, and I will just kind of pretend that these last two abysmal seasons didn't happen as much as I can, and I'll just try to enjoy the show and hope that my whatever six bucks a month or whatever it is for eight bucks a month, whatever it is for CBS All Access is actually worth it next year. We'll see. Okay, so that's going to be it. Uh, if you're gonna wa- if you want to watch something, um, watch the Orville because that was a really good episode, and their finale is next week, and uh, they have not yet been renewed, so I'm crossing my fingers about that. Um, otherwise, uh, one other other things you can check out this weekend. Uh, check out the new single, new single that came out by Calibre and the Attitude, one of my favorite local bands in the Philly area. Uh, long time, long time coming. It's called. It's a an excellent, excellent uh, single, and uh, I highly recommend you checking it out. 
goodness. Yeah, long time coming. That's what it's called. It's on YouTube. It's on Calibre and Attitude website, Facebook, all that stuff. So check them out. Uh, I think they're playing at like some beer festival run thing in Jersey or something this weekend too. Anyway, you can find out all about them on their website or Facebook page. Calibre and the Attitude. Excellent new single that came out today. Really looking forward to the album that they will eventually release. This will be a part of, I hope. Or additional singles, whatever. It's going to be fun. So that plus an episode of the Orville, and you'll start your weekend off right. So that's it for me. For this episode of the Daily Cron, you can find me on Twitter at Stolton. You can find contact info and, and all that good stuff at dailycronpodcast.com. I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>